Oh, hi. Good morning. Good afternoon, everybody. And welcome to the Rebel News Daily Roundup. I'm your guest host, I guess. Normally, I'm sort of the co-host, but today I'm the host host um, of the show today, Sheila Gunn-Reed. And I'm joined by my friend, Alexa Lavoie, out in Montreal. Alexa, how's it going? I'm pretty good. And you, Sheila? <laughs> I'm great. I'm just sort of trying to catch up on all the work that I left for poor Tamara Ugolini while I was on the tour of Alberta with our documentary Church Under Fire. We started at the bottom of the province and we made our way all the way to the top. So we started at Lethbridge and then we went back and forth across central Alberta and then we finished in Grand Prairie and it was well received everywhere, but um, exhausting. Put a lot of miles on a rental car <laughs> over the last week, but it was worth it to be able to bring the documentary and show it to as many people as possible, but also to be able to thank the people who support our work through buying documentary tickets and buying merch and, and through donations. It's great to be out there in the world um, with the opportunity to thank these people in person. You know, we thank them all the mm -hmm. time in our videos and online, but to see them and shake their hand and, and uh, hear exactly why they support us is a, it's a, I, I think it's a great opportunity for me. I, I'm really grateful for that chance. Well, <laughs> now that I got that off my chest, um, I should tell everybody what we're doing here today. As I said, it's the Rebel News Daily Roundup. It's normally hosted by David Menzies and someone else. Um, today, David is off, but it's a great opportunity for us to talk about the news of the day completely unscripted. And it gives us an, a chance as hosts to interact with each other because a lot of us re work remotely and we only sort of talk throughout the day on Skype or, you know, through messaging or whatever. And it's nice to see each other's face and, and talk about the news. But it also gives us the opportunity to talk to our viewers through something called a super chat or a paid chat. On Rumble, it's called the Rumble Rant. On Odyssey, it's called the Hyper Chat. And if you throw a few bucks in there, I think... Usually it's $5 US is our sort of our cutoff. But if you do that, it supports the work that we do here completely willingly, unlike what Justin Trudeau makes you do with the mainstream media, forcibly support them. But uh, it also gives you your say. So if you leave us a paid chat, we'll do our best to read it on air. You can put a question, a comment, a story idea in there. And don't let the dollar value inhibit you from leaving a comment because quite frequently we read the chats that are under that amount. We just don't guarantee that we will. And sometimes we even read interesting free chats. So please leave a comment. If you're so inclined, leave us a donation. And if it's over that $5 cutoff, we can guarantee that it will be right on air. So I think that's it. Uh, we should get into the news of the day. I guess let's Before start with go, Chris. Sorry, Before leaving any further, we always talk about Church Under Fire documentary, but some people are asking how they can see the documentary if they cannot go to those events. So is there oh, yeah. any way that people can actually get their hand on the documentary? You know what? That's a great, great question. I'm glad you asked it. So if you go to Church Under Fire movie dot com you'll see that you can buy a digital download of it so if you can't make it out to an event you can download uh the movie for you know i think it's under 10 bucks um and you'll have your own digital copy of it you can also order a dvd of it if you are 
um, someone who still owns a DVD player, Kean is always very confused by DVDs because he <laughs> is under, he's 25. Um, but I know a lot of people prefer to own a physical copy of the movie so you can, uh, buy a DVD there too. Um, it is also sitting behind our paywall. So if you're a Rebel News Plus subscriber, it's there for you already. You already bought it. Um, and that's part of your, uh, eight bucks a month. Uh, subscription price to us. So you already own it if you want to see it. And there's also, if you go under churchunderfiremovie.com, you can organize a screening. Uh, you can reach out to us. And if you want us to come and show the movie, you can do that too. Um, but also if you want to uh, license the documentary and show it in your own church or bring it to your own church and you don't care if Sheila or Kian shows up. There's a licensing fee. You can have it. You can use it as a fundraising tool for your church. Uh, for example, I think the, the licensing fee is $500, but that's actually not all that much. It's, you know, what is that? 20 tickets at 25 bucks a piece. That's really easy to do. And you can, I think the licensing is for 90 days. So you can do it as many times as you want during that time frame. So you can reach out to us there at churchunderfiremovie.com. But I really like the licensing idea because for me, one of the reasons I made the documentary, which is about the pastors who stood up during COVID, is I want to inspire other pastors who maybe didn't do the right thing the first time around to do the right thing um, by their congregations when the next lockdown or when the next government attack on Christianity comes around that they have seen this documentary. Maybe they've done a little introspection. They have the will of the congregation to do the right thing. And that's what I would like to do. So I, that's why we made the movie licensable for churches and other groups so that they can, they can a make money on it and learn some lessons. Nice. Yeah, I thought that was a nice thing that uh, Keen and I cooked up, um, mm -hmm. which was uh, really the, the whole point of the documentary is to to inspire others uh, to stand up the next time. Because if everybody had stood up, they could never have locked any of us down. And that oh. is actually absolutely true. Yeah, they'd have to build more jails <laughs> and hire more <laughs> cops. <laughs> yeah. Um, Okay, so let's get into the news of the day. Thank you, for Alexa, for reminding me to do that because it's a really important thing is that um, if you can't make out to our in-person screenings, which are so fun, there are many other ways to see the documentary. And I think it's one of the most important pieces of work that we've ever done at Rebel News. Uh, let's talk about Christia Freeland because she would like a generation of women to be unhappy and unfulfilled through something called feminist economics, which sounds awful. Sounds like you're going to die alone eaten by a cat. Um, but she basically says that women in their prime working years should not be doing the thing that makes us happiest, and that's raising our offspring. Um, but she wants us all in the workforce. And, uh, you know, I guess feminist economics means uh, making life so expensive that families cannot choose to have a parent stay home and raise the kids. I think that's what she that's what she's trying to pull here. But let's listen to her nonsensical prattling. But you know what? This is also economic policy. This is feminist economic policy in action. Studies show that every dollar invested in early childhood education generates between a dollar fifty and nearly three dollars in activity for the broader economy. 
nearly 950,000 more Canadians are employed today than were before the pandemic. That includes a record 85.7% labour force participation rate in July for Canadian women in their prime working years. And that is supported by our early learning and childcare system now nationwide. This level, 85.7%, is a record high for Canada, and it compares to just 77.5% in the U.S. Now, Jeanette and I were talking earlier today, and she talked to me about how strong the economy is here in Moncton and how labor shortages are a real issue. Making it possible for mothers to work is the best answer to labor shortages, and that is what our childcare system is doing already. I am so glad. Uh, this woman is insane. We're not making yeah. it possible <laughs> for women to go to the workforce. We're making it impossible for them to have the option to stay home and raise their children. And I say this as someone, I, technically, I still think like I'm a working mom, but I work from home. But I didn't work for 10 years, at least. And the only reason that I work at Rebel News is that I'm able to work from home and that I didn't go back into the workforce in any capacity until my littlest one was in school full time. And Ezra basically gave me no option. Like, we'll work around your kids. You get to work from home. You get to do all this stuff. Just, you know, uh, do some journalism for me. And it was the perfect fit for me. But uh, so and I realized how to use the language of the left, how privileged I am to have that. But all most families want is for the government to quit spending their money so that they have more money in their pocket so that they have the option for mom to be at home. But somehow Christian Friedland thinks it's some marvel of modern feminism that we are shoehorning women who don't want to be in the workforce into the workforce so that they can pay some other woman to take care of their children during the day. And that is somehow just some sort of boom to the economy. They have to farm out their childcare so that they can pay the bills when moms just want to be home with their kids. I don't care what anybody says. You're happiest when you're at home with your kids, that you're biologically compelled to raise your children yourself if you can. And because of inflationary prices and the cost of living, thanks to the government blowing my money on everything, women can't do that anymore. And that's not a, a success story that there's so many women in the economy, I think it's a tragedy for the children and for the women. And you're totally right because a lot of people cannot now afford to be at home with their kids because everything costs too much. And now we have more and more people working really early in the stage of their child. And so their child now have like a lack of presence of their parents when in the early stage of children should be like spending more time with their parents to be like grow in a certain way that you grow up as a you have like a framework you're like you have a frame to to grow you have stable um, life and rules and it make like some people more ready to grow up and to enter in in a society life especially at school, when you, you begin at school, you, you need to be like stable and you need to have like a good background. And so, yeah, you, you can enter in life. But unfortunately, what she asked is actually totally the opposite. What she, she's talking about is not in, 
the interest of the children is mostly interest of her pocket and the pocket of the government to have like maybe more women to work during the time that they spend our money for useless thing and to friend to friend to friend during this time like hard Canadian are working their ass to raise that money that they would never see a penny of it like Look at just the health system, especially in Quebec. It's horrible. And we still like raise so much money for it. And at the end of the day, when you really need it, you don't have it. Yeah. And there's a real injustice in how we look at the value of mothers in this society. For example, the government is willing to fund childcare to a certain amount every single year per child. Why don't you take that amount and knock it off the taxes of these families? If we pay another woman to take care of that child who's unrelated at a daycare, that apparently has value in society to the liberals. But we can't give that family the same tax credit. Let them keep their own money. Don't pay them. Just let them keep their own money to the tune of that same value. You see what I mean? Like if a mother does it, it has no value to the liberals. But if we pay some other woman minimum wage to take care of that child, the liberals are willing to fund it. All I'm saying is treat these two women equally, even though the mother should not be on equal footing as a daycare worker. But within the government's worldview, at least treat those people, those women, those child care providers, if you will, on equal footing. They don't do it. Um, for example, if you pay a daycare to take care of your child, you get a tax credit for that. But a husband cannot take and give a portion of his income to his wife to get himself in a lower tax bracket while she stays home and raises the children. There is no value of for mothers to the liberals in their entire vision of how children are raised in this society. And example, also, like when you do like study at work for children, usually like you, we will say maybe the government will help you out since you are doing what usually you pay with your tax, but you do it like at home. But mm -hmm. no, they make it harder for the parents who wants to do it. And also like they have less privilege that if you do it at home, that in school and it, it gets like to a point that sometimes it finishes really badly for parents, especially in Quebec, when you are like decided to do like homeschool at, at home, mm -hmm. sometimes it, it not finish well. Like it, they all always make it harder in the same time you say, oh, but it's the perfect situation. The mother or the father is at home doing school with their children. And we should like maybe think like, oh, government will like compensate it and I encourage that because it's actually great. But no, it's completely the opposite. Yeah, and homeschooling actually saves the government money. They don't have to pay a teacher. They don't have to build a bricks and mortar school. The fewer kids mm -hmm. are in the cookie cutter system of the government education system, the better it is for the government if they care about economics, but they don't, they only care about indoctrination. The school system is indoctrinating uh, future liberal voters. Um, 
but yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, there there's no value for for women within the liberal worldview, women being mothers. Uh, that is just, um, you know, like it's considered a sacrifice, and it is. But what the liberals are doing is they're taking money from working mothers to pay for the daycare for the working mothers when they could just make it easier for the working mothers to not work and just stay home mm-hmm. with their kids where where we're happiest. It's what we do. Anyway, nobody likes kissing their kids and going off to work as much as they like kissing their kids, feeding them cereal and taking care of them throughout the day. It just is. And anybody who says otherwise is a big fat liar. But um, anyway, we should- like we have, uh, we have Christian Freeland for the, the, the minister like, uh, that are there for like everything for the money and everything finance minister. And sorry, I was uh, searching the words, uh, but she seems to not understand at all what finance mean and how we live like in Canada. I don't know if you saw like the small short clip where she say that do the capitalist uh, democracy still work in Canada? Should we like really trust that anymore? Or uh, And I was like, are you kidding me? Like you are the finance minister and you actually made a doubt And that was in a, a school when she was t- uh, talking about it. And she put like a doubt that maybe what we base yeah. our democracy on doesn't work. I, and you need to watch that. It's just hilarious. Efron found it for us pretty quickly. Let's see it. Our time of tranquility is over. And we are living in an age of change. We're living through what President Biden on a visit to my country in March called an inflection point, a time of transformation, he said, that comes once every five or six generations. Now, like it or not, you are graduating into that inflection point. And as some of the very best educated people on our planet, you have the rare and precious opportunity to shape it. What is this inflection point? What is this upheaval which is going to the roots of humanity itself? There are many ways to describe this transformational moment, but I think they all come down to one fundamental question. Does capitalist democracy still work? That's the question being posed around kitchen tables in my country and this one as parents wonder if our children can count on capitalist democracy's essential promise of a future more prosperous than our present? It is the question being posed in the muddy and bloodied trenches of Bakhmut as Ukraine's brave Democrats resist the invading forces of Putin's dictatorship. And yeah, it I is think the that's question good. being... I think that's good. Um, capitalist democracy does work. It's just, that's not what Christia Freeland is offering us as the finance minister. Yeah. If you quit meddling in the economy and left business people to do what business people do and quit taking so much of their money and spending it on useless social programs, like paying daycare workers when we should just allow moms the opportunity to stay home and raise their kids. Yeah. I think capitalist democracies tend to work. It is the single largest vehicle for wealth generation and it is the single largest vehicle for freedom i think 
in the history of humanity. And she's like, I wonder if it still works. Maybe try doing it and we'll just find out. Why don't you just try doing it? Anyway. And by the way, do you talk about that around your table? Like just like a normal like dinner with your no. um, family? No, I, I, I complain about the liberals. I complain about her around the kitchen table. Um, because I don't get it out of my system when I'm on air like this. I am still so much of it in me that I have to annoy my family with it. Um, yeah, that's our finance minister wondering if uh, capitalism works. Why? What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> um, I think Efron whispers in my ear that we need to go on an ad break and then we'll go back to um, a more sensible uh, take on Canadian economics from um, Pierre Polyev after the break. We're facing an imminent threat. A planned blackout of all news content in Canada is coming to Facebook and Instagram, threatening to silence rebel news and those who depend on us for the other side of the story. The cause? Well, Justin Trudeau's new censorship law, Bill C-18, which demands social media companies pay news outlets for the news stories their users share on the platform. It's a shakedown and a desperate attempt to keep the mainstream media afloat. It seems the billions in taxpayer subsidies just aren't enough to keep the country's propagandists in business. But Meta, Facebook's parent company, has chosen to block Canadian news content rather than comply, Rebel News included. Many have already lost their ability to access our Facebook and Instagram pages. The blackout will soon affect every user in Canada. But fear not, we have had a plan to protect your access to our news content. We've partnered with Private Internet Access, PIA, a VPN provider dedicated to safeguarding digital privacy. For just $2 a month, you can maintain your access to our content across all your devices. And unlike other VPN providers, PIA does not store any user data as it's automatically deleted from their servers to avoid leaks and government subpoenas for information. Their servers are located in all 50 states, not the ones in communist China. You can visit PIAVPN.com slash rebelnews and enjoy an exclusive 83% discount and four months free. Use it to bypass regional restrictions and stream your favorite shows from anywhere in the world. And stick it to Trudeau's new censorship law. Safeguard freedom of speech and join us to combat Trudeau's censorship today at PIAVPN.com slash rebelnews. Okay. So we've got a way around Justin Trudeau's censorship. Is there a way around Justin Trudeau's economic policies? Um, I think it starts with a calculator. <laughs> Pierre Polyev offered Trudeau a calculator uh, yesterday in a press conference. Um, I love how the media is like, what do we do about this guy? <laughs> like, how do, we, how do we handle? I think they're going to start to get scared to go to press conferences because they're getting a little bit fun and prickly. So let's show that. Please, Efron. Thank you. Oh, it's the, sorry, he whispers in my ear. I had given him another task. And so <laughs> while we were on commercial break, it's the uh, clip where Pierre Polyev offers Justin Trudeau a calculator. Please. Decisions have had yeah. consequences. That money that he said was free, well, it's not free, it turns out. It all came with a cost. And so... <laughs> As Parliament gets its back-to-school moment coming, I have a little donation to make to the Prime Minister. It is a calculator. 
to help him calculate the cost he is imposing because of his inflationary deficits and carbon taxes. The more he spends, the more things cost. It is time that, that Justin Trudeau got a calculator and found out how to work it, because right now, he's just not worth the cost. You know, the good news is that Canada was not like this before Justin Trudeau, and it won't be like this after he's gone. We're gonna turn the hurt that he's caused into the hope Canadians need. I think uh, Christian Freeland need a, a bigger one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she needs a graphing calculator. <laughs> um, but it, I mean, it's it's true. We have this like nerdy foil to Justin Trudeau's flamboyant nonsensicalness. Um, mm -hmm. And I think it's exactly what Canadians need. It sort of harkens back to the days of boring Stephen Harper, where he wore yeah. gray. When he dressed down, he wore like a cardigan. <laughs> he was, you never, he never got excited. He never got um, uh, emotional like Justin Trudeau. And people have tried Justin Trudeau. And I think they want to go back to the familiarity of the boring old accountant type being in charge, uh, watching the pennies so that the dollars take care of themselves. And, um, you know, we've got Justin Trudeau saying, what was one of the things he said? Oh, we can, we'll grow the economy from the heart outward. What in the hell does that actually mean? Like what, mm -hmm. it, like that sounds great to people who, uh, you know, they wanted their like Northern Obama and I guess they got it. Um, but it, growing the economy from the heart outward has shrunk the economy and made like, yeah grow the economy from the heart outwards. It was like a Care Bear slogan. Um, what did he say? That was in 2015. And people voted for him after that. He won an election after that. What I'm embarrassed for my fellow Canadians that they voted for this. But I'm, I'm actually, if you go back, before he got elected the first time, if you look at all the background, I just don't understand why Canadians actually vote for him because he have a big background of like seeing stuff or doing stuff that is not really appropriate for a prime minister of a country. And uh, and by the way, like for Pierre I think it's a good way to get back our economy on track and our finance at a great level. But in the same time, to get common sense on every single sphere of our country, They're starting with the education and health system, maybe, or the health yep. system is mostly like the province, but it, they can help like in their way to to help the province. But I think like right now, if we are not switching prime minister, I'm just thinking like which kind of chaos we are we will experience in the future. Yeah. yeah. Just like, as he said, we've got to turn uh, Justin Trudeau's economic hurt into some hope, but these conservatives have to start talking about more than the economy. Cause yes, mm -hmm. Justin Trudeau has damaged the economy, but he's damaged religious freedom. He's damaged free speech. Um, he's taken away parental autonomy. Our health system is in chaos. Now. Yes. The health is health system is administered provincially, but it is governed by the Canada Health Act, which limits innovation in the system. And so they have to do a complete overhaul and it has to be fast and furious. 
um, because you need people to have time to adjust to what you're doing and to realize that the sky didn't fall when changes started to be made so that they feel comfortable voting for you next time. Because if you don't do it fast, then, then there's not enough lead time for people to live with the experience of the changes in the system and realize Mm -hmm. the hysteria was overblown. Um, Mm -hmm. we should move on to this next thing. Trudeau's labor minister finds it very difficult to promise to destroy the lives of people. And that's so, so sad. So, so sad. He should try being the people whose lives he's destroying. Oh, and it's (laughs) Seamus O'Regan, one of the dumbest people in all of cabinet, if not all of Ottawa. And the bar is real low there, but he was one of Justin Trudeau's groomsmen and a former talking head at CTV on their morning show. And that's, uh, I guess that's all you need to be the labor minister in this country is to never actually have held a real job. Uh, let's hear it from him. Um, um, I love being in Argentina. Um, we have been talking for so long about an energy transition and it's going to happen and what does it mean? And, you know, it's particularly stressful when you talk about this sort of stuff and change and everything when, you know, you live and you represent an energy and oil producing province, right? Because what is that change going to mean? This is where the action is right here. This is what it means. Jobs, 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 jobs on the ground. Stuff that we are now seeing being built. Yeah, it's stressful because, you know, you will actually put a lot of people in the street and you will uh, remove their job from them. Yeah, you should be stressful to talk about that. And uh, you should be ashamed also, like, because right now the whole province is looking at you as the bad person who actually will put a lot of people without salary in a big inflation time. I'm so sorry it's so stressful for him while he gets to take home his MP's salary topped up with a cabinet minister top up. It's very stressful for him. Um, Try being the people who his uh, energy transition uh, are going to unemploy. Try being the people who live with the uncertainty of creating this valuable energy that we all need, being told by absolute halfwits that you can transition into magic beans. Try being mm-hmm. the people that have to live with that. Try be thinking about, should we remortgage our house at this new interest rate? Or should we sell our house and get into something smaller? Because we don't know if there's going to be a job tomorrow. Because we have a government in Ottawa that would rather buy oil from Nigeria than allow us in Alberta to produce it and sell it to the rest of the country. That's a little stressful sometimes. And I'm so sorry that it weighs so heavily on Seamus O'Regan's conscience. But uh, frankly, I don't care. Like, like, really, I don't care. It should be hard on you. It should be hard on you. It should be a lot harder. It should be so hard that you refuse to do it. But it's not that hard for him, is it? Well, it's just like this. And look at how he started to talk. He looked like so nervous and anxious and he is he, not yeah. like well-spoken. It's just like, uh, 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 just like, okay, like you're supposed to represent the labor yeah, and you're not even capable to talk with them. Yeah. And he's been talking about green jobs. These liberals have been talking about green jobs since 2015. They've never manifested. You know where all the jobs are? In Alberta. Why? 
because we have a government that is pro oil and gas. The jobs are in Saskatchewan because they have a government that is pro mm -hmm. oil and gas and pro resource industry and pro mining. That's where the jobs are. Why do you think our economy is doing so well? It's not mm -hmm. green jobs. It's not. We put a pause on green energy projects because we're not sure if they work on the grid and we don't have a plan for the end of life for these projects. Like, so what if, what if your solar panel farm goes defunct? How do you remediate it? What do you do with it? How do you compensate the landowner? And you know what? There's not mass layoffs. But I remember when the NDP took power here, it was like 800 jobs lost today. Another 600 jobs lost tomorrow. It was a constant stream of cabs coming to downtown Calgary to pick up people from the head office, walking out with their boxes in their hands because they were all getting laid off. We paused green energy in this province and nobody noticed but the people getting the handouts to build it. Nobody cared because there are no jobs in green energy. And so this guy keeps promising jobs, 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 jobs. There are none. Get out of our way and let us have the jobs we already have in oil and gas and create a bunch more while making life more affordable for everybody else. And by the way, like everybody is like, okay, we need to transition to green energy. But your green energy, when we talk about battery and everything, the impact that cause on other country and the disaster that caused and pollution that caused, are you really sure that you want this kind of green energy when you know that some people are dying for your like little battery? I'm I'm thinking that I prefer like to have people who are well trained, who are getting well money in our own country and our at least make it like our country wealthier. Yeah. By the way, in Alberta, we just had a grid emergency here because we're in a little tiny bit of a heat wave. And so we had a grid emergency. Thank God we still haven't gone completely green, although that's what the NDP wanted us to do. We were able to get, you know, like we were still able to function. But just, you know, getting up to plus 30 degrees in September caused a grid emergency here. Imagine if we were all on wind yesterday. Yeah, it was natural gas saved the day. We were very close to a grid crash yesterday and thank God. And, oh. you know, we're very lucky to have a great relationship with our friends in Wyoming and Montana who will sell us coal fired electricity. Um, though the NDP made steps for us to get off it here, even though we have 800 years of clean burning coal under our feet, so close to the ground that it just like, you can kick it out of the ground, but we're supposed to leave it there and buy coal fired electricity from Wyoming and Montana when we get in an emergency. And I'm not ready to freeze to death uh, if they yeah, move all interested. the sources. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. Doesn't sound fun. Thank you. Um, we we should hit a, another ad break and then we'll go into um, Pierre Polyev. Just he's just one soundbite after another, ripping it up um, on the liberal immigration policy that's causing absolute chaos and it's completely inhumane if you care about those sorts of things. So let's hit an ad break and then go to that. Living with spike protein in a post-pandemic world is something we all have to grapple with, whether you've had the virus, you've been vaccinated yourself, or if you're around those who were. The Wellness Company's Spike Support Formula is a daily supplement that can help you feel your best and then stay that way. Go to twccanada.health to get back to that pre-pandemic feeling 
with spike support. Use coupon code REBEL to save 10% off these doctor-formulated products, which are rooted in science. And for a limited time, your first month's membership is only 99 cents. That's twccanada.health, coupon code REBEL at checkout. It's time to put your wellness back in the driver's seat. You may have heard us previously refer to the term Orwellian in response to the way that governments around the world have acted throughout the COVID-1984 hysteria, but do you know what these terms really mean? Well, they come from the dystopian writings of author George Orwell, and now you can read one of his most famous works, novel 1984, Better Than Ever Before, to hear the terms that we refer to often, such as the Ministry of Truth, wrong thing, thought police, etc. straight from the horse's mouth. You can find it at buy1984.com where Rebel News is excited to launch this revamped classic tale. It's not revamped at all in terms of what was actually written. In fact, all of the writings themselves remain entirely unchanged. But we're now bringing you this harrowing futuristic novel fully illustrated and with a larger, easier to read font size. There is a foreword by Rebel Commander, Ezra Levant, and you can order it directly through that website, buy1984.com. The parallels between the depictions of the surveillance state and Orwellian's totalitarian depictions in 1984 contrasted with what we are seeing today in our democracies should not be ignored. Go to buy1984.com and purchase your book today. And hey, maybe even order a copy or two for a friend. It's the perfect gift that keeps on giving. And you'll never be able to view the doublespeak of certain politicians the same way again. That's buy1984.com. All right. Let's go to this. Speaking of Orwellian images, uh, I don't know if you've seen images of, you know, recent migrants to Canada just living under bridges. You've covered them uh, plugging up the um, homeless shelters in uh, cities all across the country. Uh, you've covered them from the border um, mm -hmm. because Justin Trudeau invited these people to our country. And so they thought, well, the prime minister told us we can come. We don't have to follow the rules. Um, and it's, it's just causing total chaos, not just for the migrants who are, have been, um, misled that they can come to Canada, uh, illegally, thanks to the permission of Justin Trudeau, but for the real immigrants who are waiting in the immigration queues, doing everything right, paying the fees, uh, planning for their own health care, um, finding jobs in advance of coming here, um, for it opportunities that we've promised them only to get here and realize there's no housing for you um, because we're letting in too many immigrants every single year and green policies are not allowing new housing starts um, and that life is completely untenable. And Pierre Polyev has slammed the liberals for this because wh whatever you feel about illegal migration, new Canadians are not getting a fair shake either because the levels are just too high. That's me saying that, not Pierre Polyev. I wish he would say that. Um, but at least he calls out the chaos caused by the Liberals. Let's see this. So the Bank of Canada has said increased immigration has helped keep house prices and rents elevated. The housing minister has floated the idea of a cap on international student visas to alleviate that pressure. Would you support that? Well, first of all, I, I think uh, 
Sean Frazier owes Canadians an apology. He was the immigration minister that caused total chaos and inhumanity in our international student program. He was the one that forced those students into desperation, allowed them to be defrauded by fake programs and phony admission letters. He was the one, by his own admission, that signed off on, visitor, on visas for students to come here when there were five students for every unit of housing at colleges. Those are by his own admission. Over the last few weeks, we've seen an incredible phenomenon where the current immigration minister has been viciously attacking the record of his immediate liberal predecessor, Sean Fraser. Sean Fraser also put our refugees under bridges, on, street, uh, on streets, and in desperate circumstances. He is the worst immigration minister in my lifetime. And what has, he been, what is his punishment? He's been promoted to housing minister. How are we ever going to fix housing with such an incompetent minister as Sean Fraser? But that's eight years of Justin Trudeau. When I'm prime minister, we will fix what Trudeau broke in the international student program to ensure that when students arrive, they have homes, jobs, healthcare, and we will make sure that the programs for which they register are real, valid educational programs with true admission letters. We will audit those applications to make sure that large-scale frauds are not perpetrated against the students. The numbers of students will be determined by the availability of spaces at universities and homes for those students. That is a common sense approach that always flourished and made, made our international student program the best in the world before Trudeau arrived. We're gonna get back to that common sense approach when I'm prime minister. Yep. It's a good answer. Okay. I, I, I cannot yeah. say anything <laughs> against that. <laughs> I got nothing. It was great. It was, it was great. And I see um, that uh, it's in the Globe and Mail today. A million more non-permanent residents live in Canada than the official number that was uh, just published today. Now, I'm not sure what they mean by non-permanent. Uh, does that mean illegal? And is that just uh, yeah. the Globe and Mail being... Um, politically correct. I think that is. So I think that means uh, migrants to the country who did not come and get their permanent residency status or a, a visa, as they say, to be here. It's We don't have a visa, but it's... Um, so these are... There are a million more of them within our country than the liberals have will admit to. And where are we supposed to put them? If you won't let us build housing, if life is so unaffordable that um, we, the people who are already here can't get housing, what are we supposed to do with another million people putting pressure and demand on the supply that isn't meeting the needs of the people who are already here or who are coming the right way? And... And by the way, like what they were explaining, because what we experience in Toronto is like a lot of people arrive with a tourist visa, student visa, or other kind of visa. And so 
instead of leaving the country after the expiration date, they are just like staying in Canada. Some of them will not maybe claim for refugee statue and they would just like find yeah. a way to stay here, work under the table and just do like, you know, just being like under the radar and just like live their life. So it's probably what they mean by people who are not... Um, uh, uh, resident from Canada but it's really strange because when we see that we can experience the same kind of situation in to the US and in France that are all like developed country where we see like a lot of uh, migrants living in the street have no lodging and uh, have mm -hmm. no support and recently in Quebec we had like uh, the news saying that Right now, for Quebecer, the rise of um, how you call it, like social aid for the people. Yes. Yep. Um, I was just looking at that at as you were talking. Twenty million of dollars per year that costs more to uh, Quebecer since uh, the explosion of the illegal immigration, and most of them are um, refugee seekers. So right, right now, the 20 million, they are still waiting from Ottawa to pay back these fee because it's not the responsibility of the province when it comes to illegal refugee claimant. It's supposed to be the Ottawa that should pay and reimburse back the province who take care of these refugees. It's just because the geographic didn't wor uh, work well for us because the, the road is in our province. But imagine if it was like this road in Alberta, Alberta will have been pissed off because now yeah. they need to pay more in tax to, to take care of these people. 20 millions is not a little bit. It's a lot of right. money. And what is these people every will month? do... Yeah. Oh, every month. It's even worse. Yeah. Like, imagine... And that was back in February. That was back in February. So it's worse now. Yeah. And uh, and what these people would do with this small check of money, like it's not a lot. Housing now is really expensive and food also. So what they would do, they will probably like finish to live somewhere that are, are inadequate and trying to do and go on the food bank where we have already yeah. a lot of Quebecer and Canadian who are seeking for food too. Yeah, a 5% and, oh, 73.3% increase in one year in the number of adults on the island of Montreal. That's insane. How, how This is completely untenable, and they've just downloaded this onto the provinces. I guess the real misfortune of our friends in Quebec is that you live next door to a liberal state. And out here in Alberta, uh, we've got Montana underneath us and they don't take kindly to uh, lawless people just using their state as a transit through to somewhere else. And and then what? Then you get here and you end up in Coots, Alberta. You better be prepared to work <laughs> once you get there. <laughs> You're not getting many handouts there. Um, and yeah, you end up in ranch country. So, you know, it's a, it's. 
a little tough to get to Calgary on foot from Coots. So um, we should uh, bump, we should hit another ad break and then let's go into LGBT issues because Ezra had an interesting tweet. And then I wrote up an article yesterday after I got home from Grand Prairie um, that someone had passed along to me, not someone, my dear friend Lise in Saskatchewan has had passed along to me about uh, an, an ad for a basement suite that a couple of busybodies had posted just open discrimination against anybody except people within the community as they say so let's do an ad break and then we'll go into that do you want to start feeling like your pre-covid self again you're not alone the wellness company spike support formula is an all-natural supplement to help people do just that It was created by cardiologist Peter McCullough and his expert team of doctors to help the people experiencing effects from COVID and the you-know-what. Go to twccanada.health slash rebel today. I am doing something today that I have never tried before. Listen up. I'm looking for collaborators in a new and exciting initiative. As you most likely know, YouTube a long time ago demonetized Rebel News and we are 100% viewer funded. Now, while our supporters are fantastic at helping us cover legal campaigns and special reporting missions, unfortunately, the reality is our day-to-day operational expenses often exceed our income stream, which is crazy if you think about it because my videos across all platforms attract hundreds of thousands of views and sometimes even millions. So I want to share that reach with the right partners. If you have a product or business and want to enter a win-win relationship with me, please go to rebelnews.com forward slash ads and fill in the form to let me know. I won't be accepting anyone. I need to believe in your business or product so I can sell it proudly for you. And for successful applicants, I will guarantee a minimum view count, meaning Even if your ad is published on the less popular reports, we'll keep promoting your business or product until it gets the agreed minimum eyeball. So again, if you have a cool company or product that either wants to take advantage of my reach or want to support my work through advertising in a way that you can write it off as a tax deduction or both, head over to rebelnews.com forward slash ads and hopefully we can join forces soon. Great. Now, I know we can't go too late today because Efron advises me that they need the all of this <laughs> uh, for use for uh, the studio in Toronto. They have a guest for Ezra show that's coming on right away. So we have to sort of wrap it up pretty close to the end of the hour. Plus, I have to film something with Alexa right after <laughs> and then yeah. make it to the next I- meeting. <laughs> I believe in you. You you speak fast, so go. <laughs> I'll, I'll try. A um, couple of things we want to get to. We talked and we do have some chats that we want to read, and those are important because people support us and we want to make sure that they have their voices heard. Um, Global Affairs Canada, we talked about it yesterday, yesterday, so I'm not necessarily going to go too deep into it, but Chrystia Freeland, who is crazy, um, okay. she the Canadian government issued a travel advisory for LGBTQ plus people to the U S and somebody asked her about it. And she said, it's in the interest of safety of every single Canadian and every single group of Canadians. And that's why there's a travel advisory, um, on LGBTQ issues. 
to the United States, the freest country on the face of the earth. Um, and it's because some states are saying, I guess, maybe you don't get to give cross-sex hormones to kids uh, without their parents' consent or kids under 18 um, in the same manner in which you can't give a tattoo to a kid under 18. Somehow that is worthy of a travel warning. But Ezra rightly points out what nobody in the mainstream media bothered to do is he went on, I think it's Global Affairs Canada, you can check to see the travel advisories around the world and why those travel advisories are issued. Like why maybe you shouldn't go to Somalia? Well, it's a failed state and there's no way to help you if you get there. Like they issue travel advisories all the time. Like there's a travel advisory for people going to Ukraine, people going to Russia, there's travel advisories for that. Um, Global Affairs Canada issued one for the United States of all places. Um, but Ezra checked, and maybe we can throw his tweet up. He checked Trudeau's travel advisories for Iran, Saudi Arabia, and Pakistan. There are no travel advisories for LGBTQ people for those countries, just the U.S. And then he he grabbed it and he's showed it so that people could see for yourself. So Iran, Saudi Arabia, and Pakistan. Those are countries where being LGBTQ or even being suspected, I'm sorry, there's a fly in my studio, suspected of being LGBTQ will get you dead. They'll get you unalived if you're even suspected of it. But in Iran, Saudi Arabia, and Pakistan, there's no travel advisories for LGBTQ people. There are other travel advisories for other reasons, but they don't give one specifically for LGBTQ people, although they've issued one for the freest country on the face of the earth. Um, somebody should ask Biden how he feels about that, by the way. You'd think they would have waited till a Republican won an election for the presidency there before they issued this virtue signaling nonsense. But uh, they laid it at Biden's feet, and I can't imagine that he's happy about it. And if you read the article really closely, what they invoke as the reason why, they say that some states have passed some new regulation about the gender-affirming care for some for the children and some example like that. Yes, it's all about children, but nobody cares what you're doing in your private life and in your bed. So there is no, like, they should not put any advisory, like, for U.S. because I don't think there is any threat for nobody to go. And by the way, if we follow what they are doing as advisories for their travel uh, places, you will not travel nowhere. Like as a LGBT, you will be like <laughs> always like, oh my God, I don't want to go there. And there and there I was just like reading almost like as much like country as possible. And there is like advisory for LGBTQ as almost every single country. So are you really like believe that? Are you going to stop your whole life to travel? Because like now they say that if you go there, there is a threat. There is no threat. There is only yeah. people who are fed up to indoctrinate and to let people doing gender medical care affirming to their children that are under right. 18 years old. Yeah. If you're not there, I think I'm frozen. If you're not coming there to commit uh, gender mutilation on minor children, you're going to be fine. You're, you're the, yeah. the freest, safest country 
on the face of the earth, although I would maybe avoid Los Angeles and Chicago just for personal safety reasons, they're not going to get you because you're gay. <laughs> they're going to get you for a bunch of different reasons. There are portions of this country, for example, Seattle, Portland, those are the Antifa Caliphate. I probably wouldn't go there either. But uh, the United States is the freest, one of the safest countries on the face of the earth. Um, if you're not going there to mutilate children, you're going to be just fine and dandy. Um, but I like how Christian Freeland equates um, mutilization, of, mutilation of children to, I don't know, being able to hold hands with your lady partner if you're another lady walking down the street. Like nobody cares about that. People only care about what you're doing to the little ones. Yeah, and uh, well, it's crazy. Like it, it, seriously, when you talk, think about some refugee seekers are going to the U.S. to leave their country because they are persecuted because of LGBTQ community, and now we told our own not to travel there because they face like threats of almost death. Like, yeah, what? <laughs> I know it's the dumbest thing. Um, next on the LGBT madness, um, an article I wrote yesterday, my, as I said, my friend Lise sent it to me because she's my eyes and ears in Saskatchewan. And the, it first came out that there was this bizarre, um, posting for a housing rental and it's for a, a semi-finished basement suite. And they basically, they say no homophobes. Uh, we're a queer-friendly family. Please do not message if you're homophobic, transphobic, transphobic, etc. Now, they don't describe what that means, but given that they are so sensitive that they might put this in their ad, uh, I'm assuming that means no Orthodox Christians, uh, no evangelicals, no Catholics, no Muslims, no social conservatives of any kind, no new Canadians from socially conservative countries. You're going to discriminate against all of them. Just be, they don't get the privilege of living in your drywalled basement for, uh, I guess it's 1150 bucks a month. But then when you drill down on who these people are, they're both teachers. Feels a little on the nose. And they have two gender diverse children. I guess they wouldn't call them boys anymore. Although I did on upon poking around, I did find the birth announcement for one of the boys um, on a beekeeping site. I don't know. I re my research is deep and wide. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so they have one boy that is um, gender non-conforming and the other one that's gender diverse. And I don't know the difference between the two of those things. Um, but, uh, the, the reason I know who these people are is that they were featured in a Canadian press article this week, decrying how Saskatchewan is saying, if you want to change your pronouns at school, you have to get parental consent first. They're not banning it. They're just saying parents should know parents should sign off on this. And they were this, this family, they were all over, uh, the Canadian press in a article that was republished like in the national post and and cbc and everywhere um saying that this is going to lead to suicides or whatever that yeah this is them so it's a cp republished article and they're saying i know it's this is going to affect a lot of kids negatively because they don't have a safe person at home 
Really? That's the bigotry of low expectations, assuming that Christian parents don't love their kids. They would just deal with this differently uh, than these progressive parents might without indulging the whims of minor children, which is definitely something uh, that's been in parenting books since time immemorial. We don't indulge the flighty whims of children who don't know any better, but that seems to be the entire ideology of progressive parents. Um, But yeah, these I was poking around. I'm like, oh, I know this name. Uh, Oh, I know this name. These are the people who the Canadian press has said are so loving and non-discriminatory. Same people discriminating against people. If you're Christian, you don't get to live in their crappy basement suite in Regina. And by the way, it's just a name. It's just a name. How many times that people are not telling my the the good name to me like I'm not shocked I'm not depressing I'm not going to commit suicide because sometimes people use like Alexander or like some masculine name yeah. on me I it's, it's just a name it's just a yeah. name uh, well I think too let's turn this the other way around let's say that these were Christian teachers teaching at a Catholic school and they said no gays You can rent our basement suite, but no gays. Could you Mm -hmm. imagine? These people, you'd be canceled. Your children would be canceled. You'd have to leave your cancellation to your children in your will. You'd be that canceled. And yet these guys, they've got jobs. Nobody's outraged about us, about it. Only people like Mm -hmm. me are paying attention to this. If if Christians said, yeah, you can rent our basement suite, but I don't want your LGBTQ lifestyle here. If you're gay, the answer is no. You would be erased from the history of the earth for your discrimination. <laughs> but because it is going, it's coming from the other direction, it's fine. Just fine and dandy. Double standard again and again. Completely. Completely. Okay, let's get into uh, the chats because there are a few. Uh, we've got one from Fraser McBurney. He's a Rebel News, true believer, fight the fines recidivist, fight the fines winner, um, chronic protester in Hamilton with an affection for keeping that caps lock key on just hard. And he (laughs) gives us five bucks and says, is it me? What has happened to our fruit? Peaches are hard as a rock. Strawberries have no flavor. Grapefruit are smaller than an orange being 75. I remember what they tasted like. Do you remember? Yeah, you know, maybe. I remember. Yeah, like everything I took tastes a, better a watermelon the other day. Like the watermelon now, it's just like if you don't pay like seven, eight dollars, like the watermelon, it just tastes as uh, sorry, but shit. I don't even buy watermelon anymore because I don't like the <laughs> uh Russian roulette of watermelon. I don't know what a watermelon is supposed <laughs> to sound like, and I don't know what my chest is supposed to sound like, and I know that's how you test like. So there's the stupid fly in here. But anyways, I know you're supposed to knock on it. And it's supposed to sound like you're, but I'm like, I don't hear the difference. And I'm standing there like a crazy person, like a gorilla beating on my chest in front of the watermelon bin. And I don't know what's going on. And finally, I just give up and take one. And it's always bad. So I didn't even buy a single mm-hmm. watermelon this year. I just, I don't even know. I don't even like watermelon. And it's very stressed. I don't even eat fruit. And it stresses me out. Um, my kids like it. I'm like, look, you have a job. If you want a watermelon, go get a watermelon. I'm not rolling the dice on a watermelon anymore. No more Russian roulette of watermelon. Mm-hmm. Me, it's, you know, guayava. I, yes. since I went to Africa and they add like a lot of worm inside it and I took a bite of it. 
I can't eat that for the rest of my yeah. life. <laughs> I just, I just don't eat fruit. I just avoid the whole controversy. I don't eat it. It's fine. I don't need it. It's sugar and fiber. I don't need it. Um, but my kids like it. So I do, I'm forced to buy it, but, um, I don't know. It's the watermelon it stresses me out. <laughs> it does. Uh, Aaron Burton, 32 gives us three bucks. Oh, this is someone is a regular viewer of me. My rant about the woodland caribou on the gun show last week was priceless and true. Thank you. Keep up the great work. Oh, the woodland caribou, great. the woodland caribou for those of you who don't know, are just regular old caribou with a special name and an inability to procreate for some reason. And I don't know why I'm supposed to care because <laughs> caribou and woodland caribou, they're two distinctions without a difference. So woodland caribou are biologically the same as regular old caribou. They're called woodland caribou because of where they live. But I don't think they're supposed to live there because they are not thriving there. So caribou are some of the most populous ruminants on the planet. They are not endangered. There are herds of millions of them all over the face of the earth, but particularly northern Canada. The woodland caribou is this little group of caribou that live a little too far south. Uh, they're kind of segregated. Maybe they're not even too far south. They just live in this very special area. And they are not having little caribou babies. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. But for some reason, the provincial government has decided that we have to do all this special stuff to have these caribou protected and not annoyed um, so that they don't die out, even though they're not getting it on with the other caribou. And I, again, not my problem because there are more. Let's just go get more then and just dump them there. I don't care. Um, but anyways, well it's. It hurts our forestry industry. It hurts our um, oil and gas industry because you can't run, run seismic because you might upset the caribou. And I'm like, I don't care. Upset them. They might go back to where they came from. It's, anyways, that's my, again, I'm ranting about the woodland caribou again. But if you care about the woodland caribou, just go catch some more and dump them off in the same place. They're all the same animal. Nobody cares. Well, all these still exist if they don't procreate. <laughs> That's the thing. There was like a bunch of them and they're they're just not having any enough little caribou to replace themselves, much like oh. human beings. And so the, the herd continues to dwindle to like the point where there's like under a dozen in some places. And everyone's like, oh, my God, we have to save the woodland caribou from extinction. And I'm like, they're just caribou. Like, they, I don't care where they live. If they're dying because they're there, they're living in the wrong place. This is nature doing its thing. But if you really are concerned, I'll go catch some caribou and dump them there. And we'll just call them woodland caribou and we'll just move on. If we could just get back to business, please. But anyways, the woodland caribou stress me out too. They're like the watermelon of ruminants. They worry me unnecessarily. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, life will like just make them adapt themselves to the new area that they live on. And afterwards, the nature will just do what they're supposed to do. They were just starting back to procreate because now they will be adapt to their new place where they live. It's where like we are coming from. All the animal is coming from a like a changing in their diversity because it, they change place where they, they were, so they need to, to have the time to adapt themselves, to have the food um, there for them to procreate. They will not procreate if they know that they have no resources enough yeah. for having babies. That's it. Well, 
and also if these herds are so small at this point and they are like there are some of them are like under half a dozen if they're so small they're not genetically diverse enough to thrive let them die let them go <laughs> let them <laughs> let nature do its thing i don't care i don't like i killed a moose last week with my car i don't I, you know what I got a new car. I'll come up. I'll clip off six of these things. And then let's just move on from, from the woodland caribou. Everybody just hit one with their... No, actually don't. I'm going to get letters. But if they do get run over, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. Anyway, let's keep going. Uh, <laughs> Adam, no, Ottawa, Don't forget, we we have also memory hole uh, that... Oh, yes. A little bit upper in this chat to not forget about it. Did we? Okay, let me go back up. Uh, memory hole. Yes, thank you. $10. YouTube vid by Telegraph, Canada's woke nightmare warning to the West. Alexa, Christine Gauthier, 1640 is in the vid, is a disabled vet in Montreal who needs our help. Please interview her. You're late to the game, memory hole. Christine, Christine has talked to me. She's talked to Alexa and we have a petition. Help Christine. Um, We've we've done a lot of work on Christine Gauthier's file. Um, I've even talked to other veterans about how we can help Christine and how we can put pressure on the federal government. Um, Christine Gauthier is, was offered MAID, medical assistance in dying, euthanasia. Uh, she was basically told, have you considered dropping dead when, um, see, there's me interviewing Christine, um, when um, she asked the government or Veterans Affairs to install um, a mobility elevator in her home um, and not just install a new one, just take the old one out of her old house and put it in the new one. Um, and she was injured in a training exercise and because of delays in getting treatment, she ended up in a wheelchair. She's a Paralymp or yeah, she's a Paralympian. Um, mm -hmm. She has served this country with honor and distinction and they have uh, treated her like garbage. So yes. Um, well, we should check in on her, though. That's a good reminder yeah. for us to go back and see how she's doing. Um, Adam Ottawa gives us five bucks. Adam uh, is in the belly of the beast in Ottawa. He gives us five bucks and says, I'm gay and I feel safer in U.S. cities that I have visited than I do in my own city. That's because you're gay and conservative. And it was probably harder for you to come out as conservative than gay, wasn't it? <laughs> there is a lot, though. There is a lot of conservative yeah. uh, people from the LGBTQ and uh, they are sure. speaking out as a gay against grooming. Gays against groomers. Yeah. Um, yeah. There are a lot of gay conservatives. I mean, you guys should be concerned, especially about fiscal policy, since you don't have a lot of uh, tax credits like children <laughs> and childcare. Um, and so uh, not to say that gay people don't have kids, but, you know, like... Mm -hmm. Just, you know, like if you are a single income, upwardly mobile man uh, without any dependents, uh, like so many gay conservatives are, you should be worried about fiscal policy. And I think conservative fiscal policy is probably the right one for you. Um, I think that's it. We're all cut up. We have to get off this because you and I need, uh, by the way, if you are a regular viewer of the gun show, like Aaron Burton apparently is, um, Alexa's my guest on the show this week. We have to get off here and then film that. So Alexa, I'll send you a link right, right after we're done. We'll get that all packaged up um, so that uh, we have so we can get it into editing so it can be up on the paywall tonight. Um, and if you'd like to see that show early and ad-free, might I suggest you become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. Uh, it's only eight bucks a month. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com to join today. I think that's it. Alexa, thank you so much 
for uh, stepping in to co-host with me today. Um, it al it's always fun. I'm glad we get to continue this conversation in uh, four minutes. Um, thanks to everybody <laughs> who watches, everybody who works behind the scenes to put the show together, and especially to everybody who pitches in a little bit to keep the lights on. Every little bit counts because we'll never take a penny from Justin Trudeau, and how could we ever hold him to account if we did? I think that's it. I think I'm hosting the show again tomorrow. Um, and as my good friend David Menzies always says, stay sane. Stay sane.